On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. <laughs> And Mother Nature, well, she arrived in the morning with that that, uh, that wet weather. We obviously had that track downgrade, and I guess we now have to look at how it will unfold this week, who it's going to suit, what the weather will be doing this week as well. I think it's going to be very, very fascinating to see. Our panel of experts this morning on uh, Punters Postmortem, as always, Ron Duffercy, David Gately, and also Glenn Munzin. As I say, hello to you, Duff. Obviously, we had that wet weather around, but we still had some electrifying performances uh, on the day. And if you did find a winner, well, you were laughing. Yeah, it was a bit of a bloodbath for most punters um, with a lot of upset results there. But um, And a hard race to review, re- a hard meeting to review as far as how we're going to carry this form going forward as, as far as the way the track condition was. So there was a lot of horses that didn't handle the going. And uh, how you want to compensate for that, I don't know. Uh, but... There was no doubt about the win of I Wish I Win. Um, he was just superb on the day. And uh, he, he's a well, he's a star in the making. I think we've all been saying he lays claim to being the best horse or even sprinter in Australia, um, the way, he's, uh, the way he's, he's heading. Certainly is. Uh, David Gately, you were on Sky Racing 1, made our coverage. Gator, how did you uh, how did you see the day, mate? Obviously, uh, difficult on the punt, but if you, as I said to Duff, if you did find a winner, you were laughing. Yeah, well, um, you're in the minority, probably, but uh, look, um, yeah, there's a couple of, of angles, aren't there? So, um, obviously, if you're looking at some sort of you know a, a review, uh, I'm listening to every pretty much every single jockey um, who came back in and. I don't think my horse handled it. So I think the track played okay pattern-wise, but um, you basically just had to handle it. You had to be in that 5 or 6 percentile um, that handled it. You know, on ratings and times and all that hashtag data, um, I noticed a few on, on Twitter had it at a heavy 9.9 at race two, and then it rained through to the TJ Smith, didn't it? So... Um, yeah, I, I think the rating of the race and the review of the race and times and all that stuff uh, can go in the bin. When we get to uh, next week, and obviously we're going to see how the, the next couple of days unfold weather-wise, Duff, but obviously we are going to be uh, dealing with a track that they really got stuck into. I mean, um, Mike Wood and his team have got their work cut out this week, but it'll be uh, really interesting to see, I guess, how much damage did come out of that first day. Yes, uh, I think... Um I think we probably weather watch from Wednesday on. We don't want anything from Wednesday on. So uh, that's what I say. But uh, we're still going to be working with some sort of rain-affected track, I would suggest, considering, you know, the four or five inches of rain we've had um, and the way things are today, this morning as well, where it just hasn't 
you know, it hasn't rained hard, but it just keeps drizzling, drizzling, and that soaking rain's going through this track. So the, the trials have been changed to the all-weather track. And, um, yeah, they've got some work to do out there at Randwick, that's for sure, because uh, it got wet pretty quick, as it does, we keep saying. Rain on the day is the worst. You know, 10 mils of rain on the day of the, the races is, is worse than, a, you know, probably 100 leading in. Uh, so, yeah, let, let's just stay optimistic. And but I, I must say, uh, once we get them fields tomorrow, we'll be dead set looking at the wet track form. <laughs> exactly right, Glenn Munsey's now joining us as well from the tab. And Glenn, as I say, good morning to you, uh, mate. Um, geez, surely we can get some good prices and whatnot when it comes to this Saturday because the tab have had a fill up. Well, good morning to you, Dave. Well, they didn't win on every race, Dave. Mr. Brightside, you, um, uh, that was a shocker. Uh, in the Doncaster, there was a couple of handy results during the day, but probably wasn't as fat as what you thought because once you start getting a few uh, favourites beaten, Dave, early in the day, putters then start to get weary of backing uh, those short shorties in the market and they're looking outside of, of the market there and, you know, they're listening to the pundits and probably telling them, you know, this has got some sort of... Corey Brown got a good push for Major Beal. Uh, in the derby from the yard, uh, we gave a good push for militarise on Friday on the putters panel. There's two forty to one chances that have won, and it doesn't take you much to get uh, on forty to one chances, Dave, to uh, take the cream off the top of it. Um, let's let's talk about the the Doncaster first, then, boys. Um, obviously, Mr. Brightside, Ben, and JD Hayes. Such a you know, I mean, we, we spoke about it leading into last week, and even in an interview I did with Ben Duff, how important this horse has been for these two boys. Um, and, and it hasn't been the top lot that they've gone off and bought at a sale. He, he's, he's very tradesman-like. He, he wasn't a lot of money, a lot of, you know, um, uh, battling owners in, in the horse who are now obviously not battling because they've won plenty of money. But it's it's a good story. It is a good story because, you know, they, they took over the, that yard, the two boys, recently, and uh, they've uh, they've... It's not only just one horse team; they're, they're going well with the whole team at, at the moment, placing them well. They're racing well, and they, they deserve all credit to, to to take over that empire. Why David's in Hong Kong and, and doing a fantastic job, and this horse has really helped him along the way. What a ripper horse he is! He's just uh, Mr. Reliable, and he hasn't got the probably uh, the credit he deserves. The old saying, and it was just a beautiful ride. He just kept kept something, 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 just to have that last fight. Uh, to beat off my over on the wet tracker, uh, who did said had him at the 100 metre mark, but uh, he's a tough winner, uh, Mr. Brightside. Nugget was fantastic from the wide draw, and there you go again, that all-star mile trifected the race last year, and they've done it again this year. Um, the horse is out of that race, so uh, that's a lovely lead-up for this Doncaster mile. Um, hope in your heart, gallant. Mustang Valley should have finished a touch closer, got held up on the point of the turn, and then you can go on and on and on, didn't handle it, didn't handle it, didn't handle it. So that's a great excuse for jockeys when, when you've got a wet track. They, they, they just say it, and then we've got to work out which ones didn't handle it, but it's the, some of them are obvious. All right, well, uh, what are some of the, uh, the, the better runs to come out of the race, in your opinion, obviously uh, away from the winner, Gator? Uh, away from the winner, so, uh, look, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of me telling punters what they don't already know. My Oberon followed the winner through and was terrific. He had a kilo and a half less. So it's all on his winner. He just refused to lose, bright side. Nuggets off midfield wider. Uh, wider again on the turn. Still looms to win it. He had 51 and a half. Still a terrific run. Hoping your heart race fastest home from the extreme outside. Storming home 11.84 on a bog track. 
was fabulous work. Mustang Valley ran well, but it's a wet tracker. Was a Penko was good. Fango was good, given she's uh, she's not a wetty. Um, and then yeah, down the page, the next ten, I don't think they handled it. Muns, talk us through. I mean, you, you, we talk about uh, Doncaster's, and obviously, what six dollars the field. He did jump favourite, so he was he, a lo- he was a loser in the book. Oh yeah, he was a, a horror result, Dave. Uh, Mr. Brightside, it's easily the worst uh, way. He was, you know, he, he never got past six dollars at any stage of the week, and for him to you know hold his mark there at the top of the market all the way through, albeit he was four dollars sixty on Saturday morning and got to six dollars during the day, he was still very very well supported. Uh, there was a couple of very very good goes in the race. Uh, one of them, and you want to be on this thing's back the next time it goes round, or just follow it anyway, Duke the Zephyr, mm. uh, who was having its first start here from Ireland for Kieran Maher and David Eustace. It was sort of $23 to $10. And Mustang Valley was an $81 chance on Saturday morning and ran $18. Uh, and they both run very, very good races. Well, Mustang Valley, because it's a swimmer. Uh, and Duke de Sessa, well, as I said, you want to be on its back uh, no matter what, what it does from here on in. Um, you know, there was a few horses that were sort of in the market the majority of the week that would be easy on race day. One of them was protagonist. Um, you know, whether or not, you know, did he run to his European 1600 metre form, which he's now seven starts for seven duck eggs, uh, or did he not handle the track? And a few of the others there, you know, converged. Um, he had the injury cloud about him. Well, he was $15 into $9.50 until the injury cloud um, was... Uh, spoken about on Thursday and ran nearly a 20 to 1 chance so that wasn't a bad drift from uh, Thursday to Saturday and, and he finished well down the track there. Vandersnatch was very very well supported, was $26 into $13 on the day whether or not he's uh, you know just up to this level uh, at 1600 metres um, my Oberon, the horse that was um, narrowly beaten, it was $101 into $34 and coming to the 200 metre mark it looked as though it had missed a bright side for sure Certainly did, um, and we'll take some calls, 13.50, We'll open up the lines now, so if you've got a question about uh, what was happening there at uh, the Championships Day 1, you can get involved with the program now on 13.53.53. Gator touched on it, and uh, you even sort of touched on it as well, Duff, but, gee, fangirls run enormous, considering we know she doesn't go to yard in the wet. To only be beaten, what, 2.17 from the position she was as well at the, uh, the 800, it's just extraordinary. Yeah, she ran well. It's, uh, her chances were gone after after the rain come, for sure. Um, but still, you're in the, the grand final. You've still got to be there. And she didn't She didn't run bad. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she would have been... It's the case of we'll never know uh, what would have happened on a drier track. And the other thing, too, uh, and maybe I'll come to you here, Gator, because there's a text on the text line about it. Uh, guys, do we tread with caution after Saturday because, obviously, the way in which this track was playing, and obviously it was testing, uh, to a degree, so do we? Uh, do you tread with caution going further now um, with horses that may be continuing on in their preparation, Gator, or do you think it uh, we can still obviously follow horses with confidence that, that might be going to an all age, that might be going to other races, uh, possibly in early that early part of the Queensland winter? Yeah, I think what you're getting at there is the, the gut buster sort of mentality. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I think um, that's yeah. I think with the, the modern sports science that we have, it's much less of an issue these days. I think uh, trainers are much better at um, uh, bringing the athletes back to uh, close to their peaks. So I don't have a major concern around that. Um, the reality is that each athlete's different, though, 
and um, you know some uh, won't recover as quickly or as well into the next run. But as a general rule, um, I'm not concerned about our trust the trainers these days if, if they're there and ready to go next time. Um, but it will be a massive forgive file out of that meeting, let's put it that way. Well, the hard ones to approach, you know, if we if say we get to next week um, and the tracks are, you know, soft six or soft five or something, how do we approach horses like, you know, looking at arts, arts just bolts in by four or five lengths. How do we approach militarise if he goes to the champagne stakes? He bolts in by four lengths and if that was a dry track run leading into a dry track run, he'd be a very short price favourite in the champagne stakes. So can, have these horses, two horses just excelled in the wet? Or are they on an upward spiral? That's what you've got to try and work out, which is very difficult. Mm. Let's get to our first caller. Todd's on the line. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we? Very good, mate. Excellent. Um, I just wanted to call up because I am very excited for this Saturday and uh, acknowledge my uh, favourite horse, NMO. Um, it's a big match race, pretty much with the Japanese as well included, but... Um, We've seen other match races where the Australian champion has uh, destroyed the overseas. Um, such ones come to mind like um, Tycoon Lil and Martin Power in uh, 98. And um, just uh, wanted to get your thoughts on the race. Um, and also I'm hearing, unfortunately, that it might be Animo's last run um, in Australia. So <clears throat> if you could tell me um, where he's heading after um, after this race. Uh, much appreciated, guys. Well, if he if he runs well on Saturday, he's going to uh, probably go overseas uh, uh, to Royal Ascot for his swan song. Uh, that's the plan. And, um, yeah, he's obviously full steam ahead for Saturday. Um, I think he handles them, the heavy track. But I, I think he'd be better on a soft, uh, soft rather than heavy with the opposition that he's got who are all craving for wet tracks. But I remember him in one of Rosehill Guineas on a heavy track. I'm sure he, he had a terrible run in the Queen Elizabeth here. I remember last year uh, on the heavy 10. So that's what keeps staring me in the face. In the same race last year, he was on a heavy 10. He was beaten a, a furlong. Um, so I'm, I'm worried if he gets a heavy track against the internationals this week and, and I know he won a, a Cox Plate on a heavy track as well but the Ramwick heavy run in this race last year, whether it is at the end of it I'm not sure but uh, that has to be a glaring a glaring worry for him mm. the, the only thing that may be different this year is he was coming off the really bad tracks and he had to you know the Ramwick Guineas was a bad track the Rose Hill Guineas was a bad track um you know, and then you know, it was just he, this time he's been on sort of much, much better tracks. Whether he can can handle it just that little bit better because he hasn't had the gut busters going into it. But it is a massive concern that his worst career run is on a heavy ten at Randwick over two thousand metres. Gator, anything to add there? Um, no, I don't think you'll see another track like this. Probably, you know, we think it'll be rain affected, but um, yes, exactly. I mean that. That track last year was a 36, wasn't it? Heavy yeah, something and terrible. And what was? Yeah, so I think that's that's a whole different ball game. Todd, thanks so much for your call, mate, uh, and enjoy the weekend if you're getting out there. Let's go to Mitch on the line. G'day, Mitch. Good morning, fellas. How are we? Very good, mate. Just wanted to get your opinion on how the track played on the weekend. I know we did see a couple of winners 
I guess, come down the middle, I wish I win, kind of came down the outside. But it did seem fancy or favour to those that had that rails and run or hard up against as the day went on. So just wanted to get your opinion on that. But then also just wanted to see, like, did the market start to trend to those as we, as we went along in the day as well? Yeah, possibly. Um, you know, we had, uh, obviously there's, there was glaring that probably three off the fence, you know, your Libertads and your um, Fortune Tellers and Sizzle Manizzle and uh, Militarised to a certain extent and Surefire up the inside. But then we had the, the Arts situation um, and also the I Wish I Win situation where you could just come back and say, yeah, you, maybe it was better up the inside or maybe it was just the horses handling it the best. So that, that's up for it the individual form students to work that out for themselves but there were horses making ground out wide but um, yeah it's a tricky one and then you've got to work out you know when the rain when it was raining during the races and when it wasn't raining during the races it's there's so many factors that you can get yourself into a spin and, and overplay the situation but I, I thought the track was pretty fair actually Beautiful. Thanks for your call, Mitch. Mitch online. Give us a call, 1353-53. Well, we touched then on the Doncaster. Let's go to the TJ Smith Stakes. Um, obviously, you, you touched on it yesterday on Thoroughbred Weekly, Duff, uh, about, uh, obviously, how good um, Peter Moody and this Luke Nolan Association and how much of TJ Smith there is there in Peter Moody. Oh, for sure. You know, he, he's uh, he's the, the, the master's apprentice. And he's um, he's a tough man, like like TJ was. He, he trains his horses like that. He's a he's got the loyalty of a TJ Smith, and he's got himself a very good horse here. And he, I think he loves he loves to win he loves to win this race. Well, he won it twice with the champ, uh, Black Caviar, and who's to say he won't win it a few more times with this horse? But that was a that was a brutal performance, uh, a brutal performance. He he just did amazing things to stretch, you know, that where they've stretched out here and take nothing away from uh, Giga Kid. I, I respect uh, Dan O'Sullivan who does the ratings. I'm not a huge ratings man myself, but I, I do respect his opinion. He, he's got Giga Kick going better than he did or rating higher than what he did winning the Everest uh, last year. Mazu, well, he's, Mazu's Mazu. He's just, he's just a good sprinter. Maybe help with the wet track. Um, we touched on Nature Strip. He's, He's um, he kicked away, looked home, and he was. It's not as if he failed, and he's held under fourth. And I thought Lost and Running was great there. And then you, I thought Lofty Lofty Strike gets another chance in secret, maybe ridden too close to where Track Query was there, and a couple that didn't. And Private Eye got put through the fence. We'll never know. Gator, how did you assess the TJ, mate? Yeah, well, the win was nothing short of outstanding, uh, irrespective of the uh, reservations we had around uh, the track and all those sort of things. Um, you can't take anything away from that. I mean, to spot Giga Kick five lengths straightening up and run past him, um, phenomenal. I'm still trying to work out how he didn't win a new market uh, based on that when I did tip him. Um, a great game. thought it was a dry tracker. And here he is doing that on a heavy 10 at least, you know, by the TJ, we think. So, um, you know, I'm, I've got Luke Nolan's uh, words echoing in my head from a, a month or so ago. It says, I think the best haul, uh, he's felt on top of a horse since Black Caviar. So um, it's a pretty big wrap, I would have thought. And extraordinary too, Duff, and you showed this uh, yesterday on Thoroughbred Weekly, and I know that uh, it was on the socials, the the way in which this horse looked in front as a... Uh, was it was it as a, uh, a weanling? Or yeah, just, yeah. yeah, pretty well foal, but he... That's incredible. 
The, you know, you get all them people out there at their sales, they'll spend all day looking at legs. Uh, and then you show them the photo of this horse and what can be done. Uh, so it's just, you know, they, they obviously stripped him and cast him and got him, got him right, hit him in the black paddock there so no one could see him. And to think that he's come through and uh, what he's doing now with um, where his legs have been straightened up a bit. And he's, um, it's, a, it's a great story. It's a great story. It certainly is. Uh, and Dave, just quickly back to that previous caller, the markets definitely gravitated to horses drawn low or up and in. Hmm. Uh, most definitely, and you know, especially, uh, and you know, the added advantage of being able to hold the wet. So the market did actually gravitate to it being an advantage to be up and in. Let's get to our next caller. Phil's on the line. G'day, Phil. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. Uh, what have you got for us? Listen, I wanted to make a uh, just an observation and uh, a comment on the chap who gave out the tip for arts because that was a fantastic run and uh, I was very lucky to uh, back it at the last minute. <laughs> so, but that was a good run and I was just wondering what everybody thought. Well, it was hard to deny the win. It was a dominant performance. She's lightly raced, untapped. She won a first start. She went to Kembla and ran last. They trialled her and she trialled well and then they run her at 2,000 metres and she does this. So she's an interesting runner and she's going to go to the Oaks, I'd suggest now, and we'll see how good she really is and uh, whether that was just a wet track freakish performance or she is a very talented filly. So good on you for backing up, Phil. It's uh, a good get at 30 to 1. And uh, she won with a leg in the air there, so it's it, it's hard one to line up for next time. But she was outstanding. Little money and came that, in good. <laughs> yeah, that would have been Brad Gray. Uh, I know he had it in his numbers, yeah, and his, his explanation was, uh, if you can put a line through what she did in her second run at Kembla, and just go on what she did at her first run at Kembla, and then in the trial, uh, she is not entitled to be the price that she's going to be. Yep. No, exactly right. Similar uh, situation think... to militarise. Yeah. You put the line through, and you had to put the line through militarise for what happened to it in the slipper. It had form round cylinder, its previous run, and here it was 40 to 1, and cylinder was evens. Now, Munns, you would know this. Did, did Sequestrid need to win on Saturday to get in the Oaks? Um... Uh, I'll tell you now, Dave. I'll actually look at the order of entry for the Oaks and tell you. But yeah. uh... the only reason I ask is, as a so obviously we saw Arts come out and win, absolutely relished the ground. Obviously sequestered. Uh, we heard from James after that. Just you know, wheels were spinning. Didn't enjoy it. You've obviously been on her back a long, long way through. Do you, st- you know, are you the type of bloke to stick with, or do you sort of go, no, 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 I'm, I'm staying away? because of this rain and, and how that track might be on Saturday? Well, let, let's get back to Gator's um, explanation earlier. She was five weeks off. Um, was it five weeks off or four? Four weeks off, going 1,500 to 2,000. You couldn't have had enough on her when they turned for home, when James, she was in the right spot, as you thought, up and in yeah. was the place to be and everything like that. It, it, she was in the right spot there. Uh, she let down, she got there, and you said, well, see what she happens here. But... You know, it got to the 200-metre mark, and it was all just too much for it. Going up the 500 metres, finding a heavy nine, uh, and having the, the time off. And 
I'd be very concerned then, stretching out another 400 metres seven days later, because she's had that tough run where she's, you know, she's punctured the last little bit. She might, I'd say she gets in the Oaks. You know, she had, she had as much prize money as anything. She, she had 51,000 going into the race and picked up another eight or nine. So she's probably on 60,000 prize money. And these fillies, obviously, there's a lot of maiden. When you get up to these Oaks races, you, you see maidens getting a run and they do have full field. So I, I'd suggest if they want to run her, that she probably gets in. That's without looking at any, um, what's probably what they're looking to accept with. Yeah, she was the equal highest rated horse in that Adrian Knox on Saturday, only being a benchmark 65 horse. Hmm. Uh, so it'll be a matter of how many horses sort of came out of the vinery to see whether how many slots were left. Um, and, you know, after Saturday, you, you probably wouldn't see a massive amount of horses backing up uh, out, of the, out of the Adrian Knox. But um, uh, there, there was no actually order of entry because it's a set weight race. Yeah. Um, they just put the weights out. They don't put an order of entry, and then well, there are you know there's still plenty of maidens uh, that were in the you know the 54 that were nominated, uh, but there probably you know there'd be a vast majority of those 54 that wouldn't be running either. All right, perfect. Uh, let's get to our next caller, Dave's in the line. Good morning, Dave. Yeah, good morning, gents. I just wanted to ask a question. We're talking about heavy tracks and horses that handle it, and horses that don't. Interested in thoughts on why a horse may handle it over one that doesn't, and is there any science around why a horse would um, versus one that wouldn't go an inch in it? Yeah, well, <laughs> that'll, that'll, uh, that's a hard one. Um, there's no, I don't think there's any science. I think there's the only thing you learn by is their, their proven record in, in on, on wet tracks. So you've got to run them in it to. Uh, uh, to find out and then you've got to gather the information after they've been on it you know more than a few times so I, I'm still a believer in you can teach horses to handle wet tracks and and I go back to the Tommy Smith days as well a lot of his horses hand and gay a lot of their horses handle the wet tracks because sometimes in the morning in these tracks and at track work you get the, the rain and and they don't a lot of trainers don't want to gallop their horses on these wet training tracks but Tommy Smith, Gay Waterhouse, get out there and give them their gallop. Um, you know, and I reckon they're taught to handle the going to a certain extent from a young age, and other horses become hesitant because they don't get enough experience well, on it. Well, this time last year, Duff, remember we had wet track after wet track, and we had situations where we had horses that we thought weren't ha- going to handle wet tracks, then handling them because that's all they had um, yeah, to deal right. with. And, and, the, and um, obviously, I think the point was made... Uh, by Gator or Glen, that Queen Elizabeth Stakes meeting was, you know, that was that wasn't a heavy yeah. track. That was a that was a, a mosh pit. Um, it was that heavy. You know, they, they were running much slower times than what they would have been running on Saturday. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, all right, thank you very much for your call, Dave. Uh, Ray's on the line. G'day, Ray. G'day, boys. <clears throat> uh, Ron, this is for Ronnie. Uh, looking at that crooked leg on I wish I win uh, yesterday on the telly. Do you remember a horse in the 50s called True Course that had a crooked back leg? There was no champion, but won a few races. It was an old favourite horse of mine. I used to follow it and um, won a few bob out of it. But uh, True Course, do you remember that at all, Ron? Look, I'm old, but I'm not that old. Come on. It's oh, come on, Ron. You would have known it for sure. <laughs> I was born in the 60s. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. But I can imagine there would have been a few around in those days. Sorry, Ronnie, I didn't want to put your weights up there. And <laughs> no, no, you're, you're, you're right, mate. Uh, there was one that 
there was one sprinting mare of, of Colin Hayes, I think, or, or it was had terrible legs. I'm just trying to think what it was. It's a really good sprinting mare or filly and, uh, that had the, the, the worst bow legs you've ever seen. You don't see it as much these days because... Uh, science is caught up, and they they, they, they they strip these horses early that are born, born a bit leg, bent legged, and they straighten them up and get them balanced, and they do a lot of work on them, and uh, uh, that's why we don't see it as much these days. But a lot of horses are are, are born with uh, are born with offset legs and knees and 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 everything. But um, that, like I said, the science is caught up, and you can straighten them up at a young age. They did a bloody good job on Wish I Win, then. That did was unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. How'd you go on the weekend, Ray? Uh, didn't did a bit of damage, not too much. I I like the um, the uh, Doncaster winner, and I got off it. I was keen on it early in the week, and I only had a lousy. And then won a couple of about fifteen hundred on. The... Well, that's all right, mate. So hopefully, not too much damage. Did you go to the races on the weekend? Hey. Did you go to the What's races that? on the weekend? Uh, we were out there, Dave. We had, I had uh, five mates with me. We had a great table in the old queen near the champagne bar there in the old days. And uh, it was a great day. But no, that's uh, good. the track chopped up after the first race. Uh, you'd notice this, Ronnie, about, as you said, three or four off the fence after the first race. I thought, God, this is going to be dangerous. But uh, they were still winning uh, on that part of the track. So it held up well, I thought, the track. Yeah, it's, well, considering it was raining on the day, it, uh, it, and, uh, they did a bit of work on this track, Glenn. Did you, did you say they, they did the, what did they do, the scarify the track or something leading into that yeah, meeting? Yeah, they, they did the verdi drain and everything like that. And just quickly, uh, Chris that, from Oatley uh, said special is that horse uh, for special. Colin Hayes. Special, yeah. She won a lightning That's, or something, didn't she? Michael yeah, Clark. Uh, yeah, they did. So it, it, it was probably not as firm and compact as it normally was. That's and right. talking to some people that walked the track, uh, they were saying they were getting into the, the top of it, but they weren't sort of getting right in and dragging, you know, pulling it out. Because um, if you go and have a look at the going stick figures, the going stick figures were the highest they'd been at Randwick that, since they've been taking them. I think, I think the going stick was 9.9, the shear was 13.5. Now, the shear is when they put the going stick in, how much resistance it is to, to drag the track out. Now, you know, apparently, if you, once again, talking to people, they were sort of chopping the top off the track where it was probably looser, but they weren't getting right down into it. And, you know, there was kickback there, but you're going to get kickback when it's raining during the races anyway. And if they're flicking the top off it, that's where the kickback is. But I must admit, I didn't see a, a huge number of jockeys that were coming back completely covered in mud. You know, they were, they were dirty, they had plenty on, but nowhere near as bad as some days that we saw at this time last year, put it that way. Mm. Thanks for your call, Ray. Uh, we've got Nigel on the line now. G'day, Nigel. G'day, how you going? Very good, mate. Um, it's more of a statement, actually. I um, I just... Um, I've seen an interview straight after the race on um, Mr. Brightside's win on the Doncaster, and they had a spokesman for obviously all the, his connections, and uh, it's more of a shout to say that, that the first thing that he spoke about was his condolences about Mr. Uh, I'm Thunderstruck about uh, how good of a horse he was, and obviously uh, um, and the connection that Mr. Brightside and I'm Thunderstruck had a bit of a I wouldn't say a rivalry, but they had a both the um, rivalry. 
So um, it's more of a shout out to the, that gentleman that actually spoke and, and post post the race, and um, obviously with the euphoria and everything that goes with it. Yeah, well said. I did, I did see that uh, interview. I mean, they're a, a rowdy bunch, and I must admit I'd be rowdy too if I just won a Doncaster for the second time. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, just from chatting with, with Ben Hayes and even then doing a function on Saturday, and JD spoke about just how uh, how this horse, you know, they obviously train for a lot of um, influential racing people, and obviously there's a, you know, a number of owners they've, they've got in horses from, you know, uh, through the operation in Hong Kong with, uh, you know... A, quite wealthy but this this is a real um a real good story for their stable and and one that they are absolutely loving the ride on so uh, yeah, you know I, I, I think um look if you're not on the socials or if you you've sort of haven't been across anything on the weekend jump on and have a look because there's all interviews from sky seven etc race new south wales and a lot of content out there and there's some really good stuff floating around thanks very much for your call nigel our next caller i think we're going to go to uh, we might go to Lenny. No, we're going to go to Dean. Then we'll go to Lenny. Dean wants to talk about Takeover Target. G'day, Dean. Yeah, just take, talk about Takeover Target, how good he was, with his bung legs. Yeah, another one, Duff. Yeah, he had the uh, uh, bung knee, I think he had. He had a, That's right. A, 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 I think he had chips in his knee, and he was uh, written off to say well, he's, he, he treat with caution because he um, he's a, a little risk training on, didn't worry him uh, to, to go through the workload he had, so look, they're, they're all individuals, some of them can cope with little issues and some can't, and that's, that's why you see arguments um, amongst trainers and hierarchy about all these vetting procedures, because I know, you know, if you go looking for a problem, you'll find a problem in any, any horse or human you know, if they put me through one of those big scan machines, they'd find a few problems, but I, I can live without going through and knowing about them, <laughs> to tell you the truth. But <laughs> you can overdo things as far as, um, like I said, imagine taking the x-rays of I Wish I Win's front legs early on. He'd never be allowed on a race course. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a funny game, and uh, Takeover Target's another great example. He's, he end up one of the soundest horses around and, and cope with his little issues. And I think you'll find Takeover Target was actually purchased as a yearling by John Morris yep. and was given a preparation or whatever and, and then uh, was decided that the, the, it's, the problems that it had with its legs weren't enough to put the time in and then was put up and, and went through it um, like a, you know, an online sale. It never went through, it never went through, um, it was purchased as a yearling and I think, you know, Joe Janiak bought it at a, like a tried horse sale. Yeah, I don't think his problems were massive. I think he had bone chips removed once and he may have got them again, so he had to have another operation. So it just got frustrating for the owners who said, look, let's move him on. And, and someone got him and Joe got him and, and nurtured him and looked after him and uh, those problems were fixed. Beautiful. Thanks for your call, Mick. Uh, sorry, Dean. Uh, let's get to uh, Mick on the line. He's got a, a question about, oh, here we go, the big six jackpot. Is this one for Munns, Mick? Uh, yeah, it is, if I could. Yes, mate, take it away. Um, I, yeah, Glenn, I think you might have been over this before, but um, I'm just looking at the, the dividend for the big six on Saturday. Uh, obviously not one. Um, jackpot of 29,838. Uh, can you tell me where the 29,838 goes and where the rest of the money 
from the pool has gone. Right. It's insane. So do you know that it definitely wasn't one or wasn't one for a total... Um, I'm just saying big six. It's got the numbers up, nil, nil, nil. And then it's got underneath it, jackpot, 29,838. Now, me, uh, there's got to be more me, than 29,000 on the pool, isn't there? Well, that, that's what I'm trying to find you at the moment, what the pool was, uh, and we can track back from there. Uh, so just talk amongst yourselves for a while. Um, that can't be right, uh, because the big six here... Um, now, was there a jackpot going into the big six? Because the big six pool... Was thirty nine hundred and seventy eight dollars on Saturday. So let me once again continue. You talk amongst yourselves, and I'll see whether or not there was a big six jackpot. Going. Oh, hang on, sorry. Uh, big six pool was thirty five thousand eight hundred and five dollars. For some reason, there's two big six pools here in the pool. So thirty five thousand. You take the tax out, and you're left with twenty nine thousand. So the 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 pool less the taxation is 29000 so that 29000 goes into um, the jackpot situation, and that 29000 will be put into a jackpot for a big six on a Saturday roast program in Sydney. And will it be taxed again? No. The 29000 no. is not... You don't double dip. The only taxation is on new investments. Okay. So there's oh, 29000 okay. in dead money, for want of a better term, goes in to the next big right. six pool that they wish to put that jackpot money in. So if into. there was 229000 then the tax only comes out of the two hundred. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the, okay. uh, the tax, you're only taxing on new money invested on the pool. There you go. Perfect. All right, thank you very much. You know, it's not a bad broad if you can, you double. Yeah, we'll we're just not a government. <laughs> well, that's what we'll just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we need to uh, get something clarified here. And, and I know that... Uh, Obviously, it's always buyer beware, um, but uh, I had a few mates over the weekend who have obviously backed country championships, uh, provincial midway championships horses, not only with the tab, but they've also backed them at the corporates. Now, I was under the presumption that all of those markets had to be pre-noms no matter where. Um, And the only reason this has come to my attention is because a few mates of mine have obviously got their return back in the tab account because it was a prenoms market but they've bet elsewhere and and those bets have just been void and taken away so if you have had a bet i i don't know i mean muns those markets that we offer prenoms is that just a, a goodwill gesture from the tab when it comes to the country championships or because they're special condition races doesn't every betting provider have to effectively offer a refund or am I barking well, up the wrong tree? Well, they're betting rules, Dave, but everyone... We're, 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 they're operating on betting rules that are sanctioned by the Northern Territory government. Northern Territory, right. Which okay. are completely different to the betting rules that are set down by the New South Wales so, government, or right. the Victorian government, or the Queensland government, or the yeah. South Australian government, or the ATC government, the, 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 which are all the organisations that we have to adhere to the rules set down there. So I would then, no. as a, as all, because I mean, look, let's face it. There's not everyone out there is obviously punting with the tab, as we know. We were punting all over the place, so just be wary of that in the future. If you are betting in country championships, in Kosciuszko's provincial midway championships, that um, obviously the tab might have pre noms, and their rule might be that if the horse doesn't start, but you may do your money cold 
uh, with other operators. Just take note, um, unless you give them a call or or check out. But just yeah, I think that's a that's a one thing because obviously, as some punters would just jump on apps, jump on whatever, go bang, 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 and think it's all the same. When technically it's not. I think it should all be the same, if you ask me. But uh, anyway, Dave, it can't all be the same. Or you. Um Country and provincial championships with us, you are only entitled to a refund if you don't run in a heat. Because, thank you, Timmy. Yes. Um, well, I can, so tell, I can tell you the horse. Well, I'll tell you the horse, Gallon Star. The horse is Gallon Star. I'm on myself. And I'm, I'm one of them. There you go. I've, I've backed it with the tab, and I've backed it at four other joints. And you, did, you, did run, you did run in a heat? No. Didn't run no, in a heat. No, well, you're entitled to a refund because David never had an opportunity... To make exactly. the finals. Now, well, that's what I'm saying. Pre-noms, what I'm... is a term that's been invented over the last five or six years. When I was running the, 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 the racing operation, the tab, we weren't allowed to bet on 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 races that never had a nomination. So we wouldn't have been able to bet on the country championships, the provincial championships. We wouldn't have been able to bet on the Everest. Hmm. Right, if this is 10, 12 years ago, right? So things things evolve, they change, right? The reason we brought in pre-noms markets was to gain interest in the races a long while out. And it was a situation that was first done, I think you'll find, in the Melbourne Cup. Someone wanted to know, as soon as the Melbourne Cup was run, what's favourite for next year's Melbourne Cup? Well, you don't know what's going to nominate because the nominations are taken in August, or they were in, in those days. They were taken the first week of August. Right, so then they, they made this thing called the pre-noms market. So we basically sit there and go through what the race would be in 12 months' time yep. and invent a, a list of horses that could potentially run in that race. And the rules were then changed to allow us to do that. And the rule was, if that horse did not nominate for that race, whether in the original nominations or the late nominations, the money had to be refunded because it hasn't had an opportunity to win that race. Now, all in, that's, that, that was the, the, uh, the, that's why it was. All in is all in at all times. Yes. Once you nominate for a particular race, you have then had the opportunity to win that race. If you break down or whatever and don't start, well, that's the nature of all in betting, right? Um, so, uh, once again, thank you, Timmy. That's communicating with me on another device here at the moment. That's how good the service people get on this station. Um, so, in the country championships, for example, once you nominate for a heat and run in a heat, you are effectively nominating for the country championship. Yes. If you if you don't run in a heat, you haven't nominated. You haven't gained the opportunity to win the race. So, that's why 100%. your money is refunded. But as soon and, as you run in a heat, yes. you've had the chance to make the final. Yes. I know well, that's a very roundabout way of explaining it. No, but I think but, it's good, though, because what I'm saying is is that, obviously, oh, I'm in a punters club with a group of mates. Some of us have backed Gallon Star with the tab. Some of us have backed Gallon Star at other places because there's been money in other accounts. And I think you'll find, unless they've been on the phone this morning on the live chat talking to Jenny or whoever, uh, it'll be gone with the other uh, places. So what I'm saying is if you are a punter out there and you have backed something in a provincial midway championship with another company away from TAB, check your T's and C's because if you are, like Munn said, haven't had the run and the opportunity to qualify and you're thinking to yourself, oh, it's pre-noms, it's pre-noms because that's all I hear about on punters postborn and whatnot, you actually might not have a pre-nom situation. So it could just be 
just a buyer beware more, more so for punters out there because you don't want to, there's nothing worse than betting on something and like as you said, man's not getting the opportunity. And that's what I'm saying about being the same. I, I, I'd like that all to be the same, really. I think if we're talking about you know if we're talking about betting rules and all that sort of stuff, I think if, if for, for punters out there, like you can't control where people bet, but just have it as a, a, the same rules, same playing field, it'd be so much better. You can't get you can't get on a corners plane. You can't get on a corners plane and and try and break into the cockpit. You can't do it on the verge. You know what I mean? Like so, why is we, we, why do we have all because these that's, little that, that's a federal rules? that's a federal law when you're dealing with betting, Dave, and betting organisations. They are governed by state laws. I understand. No, I understand. It's the same. We can offer saying, a market a on UFC that's it, in I'm New saying. South Wales. We cannot offer a market on UFC in Victoria because the Victorian government do not see UFC as a sport being able to bet on. But if you're a corporate... Um, Didn't they have the big fight there? The Didn't they have Territory, the UFC there? You can bet on it. Now, uh, let's get to Lenny's on the line who's been patient. G'day, Lenny. G'day, fellas. I'm, uh, I've got a good news story for you. I've been spruiking a bit lately on, on the program and uh, it's taken me 30-odd years to, to find some form. But I'm an old gelding in, in rare form now. I uh, managed to get 20% of the quaddy, the Randwick quaddy on Saturday... Um, and it paid 35000 so seven large jumped wow. in. And the golden rule I always use for uh, the Autumn Carnival is you've got to throw in Mrs. Waterhouse, Mr. Bot Runner, you've got to throw them in because they always produce a winner no matter what the price. So um, thank God for Major Bill. Yeah, well done. Well done. My and golden... My golden rule was, uh, is, uh, I've been preaching for 15 years, I've never converted that preach <laughs> to, to a success because I keep forgetting about it. Back the Sydney horses over the, the Melbourne Spring Carnival, back the Melbourne horses over the Sydney Autumn Carnival and you'll win. And uh, when they have the fortune teller, they had uh, Wish I Win, Quinella with Giga Kick, they had Mr Brightside and Magic Time in the last. So the Melbourne horses are very strong in... in um, in autumn in Sydney, oh, probably because we we got probably a lot of horses making up the numbers for the big day, where their ones are trained up to run well. Exactly. Uh, just on that derby, uh, obviously that's the first derby for Gay, which is extraordinary when you consider all the other big Randwick features she's been involved with. But away from that uh, as well, Duff, um, and obviously uh, Major Beale, and you mentioned this on Thoroughbred Weekly, it was farcical, really, oh, the derby. It was ridiculous. Um, it looked a little slow on paper, but I thought some may adapt to that. And then it got to the stage, things had to just crucify their chances, taking off, getting close to them. So, And the best sprinter won it. Now, the, the, the best trained horse who, on a backup um, who got a soft, who would have been, I would have thought, a little question mark at 2,400 going into the race. He just out-sprinted them. They've come home quicker than the 1,200-metre race in the last um, that just explains everything. So how good was Virtuous Circle? Uh, outstanding. And and uh, those stayers just didn't have their opportunity. So, um, yep, it was just a farcically run race. Yeah. Uh, because of that, then some of the runs to come out of it, I mean, what did you make of the favourite Sharp and Smart? Well, I thought he was great. Uh, yeah. Even though he was the one that blended into the race beautifully, it was just the early tempo that made it impossible for a staying, you know, hard, tough nut stayer like him. So... I, I thought he was great. I thought, I suppose we can put the wet track down to Pericles. He had a beautiful run through there. I thought he was going to sprint better than most. But then you, you have to say, well, you've got to be forgiving for the wet track or, or he just didn't stay. So 
there's lots of ways of thinking about that race. And when you say he didn't stay, it wasn't a staying test. Gator, how did you assess the derby, mate? Yeah, well, it wasn't um, a test of endurance, sort of speed-wise. But then, again, you could argue that strongly given the ground. You know, obviously they needed to uh, to be on the track for 2 minutes and 40 <laughs> running. So that in itself is a test of endurance, isn't it? So uh, probably adds merit to the run of Virtual Circle. It was, it was terrific and um, circling them from a long way back. And they're going some 14 lengths below uh, average, uh, you know, even on heavy ground, as I say, it's not um, it's not really going to suit those coming from off the speed. So a couple of really good runs, but um, you know, if you run that race again on a dry track, what would the result be, or, or even a soft five? It's, that's the challenge going forward, I think. Okay, uh, a couple of texts on the text line here, and give us a call thirteen fifty three fifty three. You've got a couple of minutes to get involved still with punters post mortem. Um, speaking of stars of the day, gee, this magic time. Um, and wasn't he up and about about her chances? Well, not so much her chances stuff, but just the, the the specialness of her, Graham Big. When he spoke with you guys on Racing HQ on Saturday morning, um, yourself and Luke Marlow, etc. I mean, um, Graham doesn't talk like that very no. often, uh, and the, the fact that he was, you know, and even talking to Greg on Sky Thoroughbred Central, Greg Radley after the race. I mean, um, look out Brisbane. She'll be in Brisbane, and she'll be in some good races in Brisbane. Don't worry about that. Yeah, he's a great trainer, Graham, and uh, you know he, he's a careful trainer, and he was still happy to let her run around on that, that wet track, being first up in the last. And he's, he, he's, he's a great judge of a horse. And when he was so upbeat, there's some trainers you like to listen to, you know, on the radio, and, you know, Graham's one of them, when he, when he perks up and said, tells you that it's got a good chance, and... I, I, I know David Eustace is very good with you, uh, um, and you know, we all like a John O'Shea tip. We all like a Joe Pride tip because they're they're form students in their own right. They know the opposition, and the punters love that listening to their interviews. But Graham was spot on there with her. She's a she's a beauty. Yeah, she uh, she is. Um, we'll see her obviously in the JB car. Is that where I think she'll be? JB car, and then yeah. possibly off to uh, to Brisbane after that, and. Uh, but, you know, very, very good. Uh, we've got one more call online before we get some horses to follow. Uh, where are we going, Nick? Gordon. G'day, Gordon. Yeah, g'day, Naps. Uh, I won't ask how you are because you're always well. Um, just a quick one on race 10, Dave, and you tipped us out, uh, Graham Bags horse, gold time. And I think the comment he made was, we don't know where the ceiling is for this horse. Um, I just wondered if the panel had some thoughts on that run. Well, we were just talking about a magic time, mate. Uh, and it was actually Luke, not myself, on Saturday. Um, so, uh, yeah, magic time is uh, that. Uh, and and uh, encourage everyone if they... Uh, obviously, if people are listening to Racing HQ during the week, if you... Because you're in the car or you might be at work or, or whatnot, if you can on Saturday mornings, uh, give uh, give a listen from 6.30. You'll hear, uh, obviously, Ron Duffersey. Uh, you'll hear uh, Glenn Munsey. Uh, Brad Gray's involved, uh, also too. Mark Hunter with the, the Victorian um, information. Um, they go right around the grounds, all the tracks. It's uh, it's must um, must listen audio because, as Duff just alluded to, some of those trainers that come on, and you just might start to look at things a little bit differently uh, in the form guide. Obviously, the market was gravitating a lot towards Opal Ridge in that last race, wasn't it, Munns? Um, oh, Dave, the winner was very well supported as well. So yeah, okay. Near the six dollars, so it wasn't as if 
Uh, it snuck under the guard. Paracel went for a bath in the bedding there. Uh, there was a couple of horses sort of out wide that had money. Sumatra, Lady Laguna, uh, Avery. Uh, but the winners run, you know, a very, very solid second pick in the, in, in the last race. Okay. Uh, now we've got Don on the line. G'day, Don. G'day, g'day. A quick question for Munns. Munns, um, uh, look, I will have an all-up six-size multi-bet at Mudgee yesterday. Races three and four. After I called my bet, the girl said, that's $9.50. I multiply. Okay, 40 bucks, thanks. She said, okay, 40 bucks at $6 will be... I said, hang on a minute. You said it's nine fifty. Oh, it's coming to $6. Okay? So I right. said, no, thanks. I won't bother with that one. So I rang back two minutes later and said, can I have $10 all up these two horses, six dollars multi? $9.50 is the odds, sir. I'll have 10 bucks worth. It's now $6. Please explain to me how that happens. Uh, now... What was uh, race three? It wasn't the race where it was the late scratchings yesterday. I'll give you the uh, race, not that it matters, but it happens all the time. You put you put your bet on the short, the odds or, or shorten up while you're putting the bet on. Right. So you're betting on the you're betting via the phone. The phone. Phone. Yes, I'm ringing up the TAB. I'm quoting my account. I say, look, I'd yeah. like an all-up fixed odds multi-bet. Yes, what'll it be? Blah blah blah. Okay, it comes to nine dollars fifty. So okay, I'll have fifty bucks worth. Oh, it's now six dollars. So, so hang on, just just go back, just go back one second. You are quoted a price of nine dollars fifty, or when you've rung up, you've calculated it to be nine dollars fifty. Correct. No, I was quoted that by the by the by the by the um, by the uh, by the person answering the phone, obviously the TAB. Yeah. Well, um, if they, if they haven't sort of entered entered the bet, um, you know they're quoting you the price at the time. Uh, that they've entered the bet, so you know. I know you always you always look at the fact that every time you go to have a bet at firms, well, if they haven't entered the bet, it's got nothing to do with the bet that you're having. Put it that way. I'm so there's evidence. Say I've been quoted a price. The first the horse was three seventy. The second one was two seventy. It came to nine dollars fifty. Good. I'll have ten bucks on that. Thank you. Oh, it's now six dollars. You still want to have the bet? How does no, that of course happen? you don't. Yeah, they, they well, changed. Look, they've quoted your price. They must have entered entered the details of the bet there. Yeah, but it's like if you're on the tab app, and and exactly if you go to back something at nines, and then next minute some syndicates come along or whatever, and they've knocked the price off. Well, you know the... yourself. You know yourself how often these price prices change. Only you know you'll be three twenty, three twenty, three forty, three ten within within a minute. So that's what happens when these when these robots come into play and you've got your bet loaded, and then they then all of a sudden your price changes. It happens a lot. It's it's it, uh, it really frustrates punters. I'm telling you, and and it's not just the tab. It's every single one of them. Exactly right. Uh, exactly uh, once right. again, Timmy, Timmy Ryan, he, I can't believe he's working this hour for Monday. Uh, he's getting ready to do this week, next week, tomorrow, and uh, yesterday. <laughs> um, he's just saying there were display issues yesterday and the system was not updating on the as quick a basis as it normally was. So evidently they may have um, been you know, quoting information that wasn't actually up to date. Okay. And that happens Perfect. a lot. I can tell you, and, and I don't know how many times I've said it, that price you're looking at on the screen is incorrect. I'm telling you it is X. Because uh, the, the prices have explained that the, you know, the information is drawn out of the system. 
and then goes to Sky and is put up on the screen. I'd like a dollar for every time I tell people that what you're looking at is not the price. And again, maybe back to that buyer beware. So if you're using the tab app or if you're placing a bet, I mean, at the end of the day, it is all up to the customer and the choice of the customer. Obviously, if the price changes, yeah, you're going to be filthy. I've missed the price, but tell me one punter out there that hasn't missed a price. Even in the old days, like you would have been standing in the ring, you know? So Just have a look before you press that final button to make sure you've still got the same price you clicked in to start with. A very good good, uh, friend of the show... Always remember you've clicked submit bet. Do oh, that. Yes. yes, my wife because... said my wife submits them a bet. She says, I'm on this. And then at home it goes. Good, beauty. Oh. Says, oh, God, I haven't pressed submit. Because, yeah. what will, what, because what will happen is you'll have the, uh, the, uh, the price change and then the old review this price and you think Would you're you like on. This price? Yeah. Oh, but you're not on and then you're right at home. And then you don't back a winner for the rest of the day. Uh, now, we need some horses to follow uh, out of the meeting. In fact, just before we get those horses to follow, we did touch on the Doncaster, the TJ. I just want to touch on militarise uh, in the size as well, guys. Uh, obviously, um, Joe Marrera. Um, really interesting, actually, Duff, to hear what uh, Corey was saying yesterday on Thoroughbred Weekly about how he rides these horses and the position of his hands. Yeah, he said he, said he, he has his hands up on some horses like a trotting driver, you know, so he'd be the only one in the world that does that. And yeah. um, he's very interesting. He's got his own, um, yeah, his own style, which obviously works. And uh, he, he was excellent. And militarised was great. He just put a gap in them. And he, he swum through the going. He hit the race at the right time uh, with upside to come and... Uh, yeah, he, he obviously cylinder was hopeless in the going there, and uh, pretty flat. And yeah, but he deserves all credit. The winner. The back Certainly. up in the champagne along with Don Corleone. Militarise. Yeah. Okay. So they will both back up. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Um, and uh, I wonder if uh, Joe's snuck out to an angle today. He might be spinning a few around for them. McCarthy's or whatnot. I was very interested he, to hear that. He's out, he's out of Hawkesbury, Dave. Uh, just at that trotting track out the back of Hawkesbury there. Just uh, Fantastic. Running a, run a few through. Yeah, just just um, get them to step away better from the standing start. Boys, all in markets before I go, because we've only got the one meeting today, so we can run a little bit over time. Animo 250, Dubai Honor 250 in the all-in market, the Queen Elizabeth. Obviously, we've got barrier draws tomorrow from 9.30 on Sky Thoroughbred Central, but, gee, with... What uh, William Haggis and the team said after that win at Rose Hill, Duff, that uh, this horse goes even better with cut out of the ground. Do you think he'll start favourite? I think he might. Uh, I think he might. Um, as far as um, having an early selection at $2.50 each or two, I'll, I'll put some more work into that uh, when we get the draw and the map and whatever. Um, it's a, it'll be yeah. an opinion race. It will certainly be an opinion race. Um, in the or, uh, Gator, um, your just early thoughts. I mean, not not your tip for the race, but just early thoughts. I mean, do you think Dubai Honor will start favourite on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I'd say he will, yep. Yeah. Uh, looking also at the all-in market of the Australasian Oaks, uh, not the Australasian Oaks, uh, but the um, the Australian Oaks. Um, Pavitra, $3 is your favourite. They're obviously going to pay up with Arts. It's at $6 after the win, so... Um, obviously, it'd be, that'd be a big win for Richard and Will Duff if they could get this. Yeah, they will. Uh, the rain around will be good for Fireburn if she can run the distance. I uh, don't know this Penny Weaker uh, if it's coming. Um, my eyes are for Polygon there. I just want to have a look at the, if she's got any wet form. And mm. J Mac on Pavitra too, boys. 
Yeah, there's an interesting one about uh, pre-noms and all-in and everything like that. Penny Winker was actually nominated for the Oaks. It was a 101 chance. Didn't pay the first acceptance fee, so if you're on it at the 101, uh, you're sweating on them paying the the late nomination fee in the morning, and you're on it at 101. Hmm. Because wow. she was originally nominated for the race. They didn't pay the first acceptance. They now have to pay a late entry fee. But if you're on it originally, before the first acceptance, you're on it at 101. Okay. And what about um, just in the Queen of the Turf, Munns, just with your market system there? This alcohol-free, we may see her, we may not see her, but um, she obviously was at, uh, what, the, the set the world record for a... Um, for a purchase up there in the Northern Hemisphere for a broodmare and uh, what $3.50 favourite alcohol-free in the Queen of the Turf. Well, she just keeps firming, David. She hasn't had a run here in Australia. Uh, she's, as you said, she's a $3.50 chance now. And looking back through uh, what's happened over the, the last few weeks, uh, I can tell you, as I go to the Queen of the Turf now, I can tell you alcohol-free, uh, back on when nominations were taken, was $11 chance. Uh, on the 14th of March was $8. On the 20th of March was $6. On the 27th of March, which is last Monday, is f- was $5. And now a $3.50 chance. Uh, Levante is a $4.50 chance. Cyrileo Miss uh, is... Uh, well, they've got to pay the late nom fee there as well. Uh, it's a $6 chance. Now, it was originally, once again, was a 101 chance, Cyrileo Miss, up until first acceptances were taken which was about the first week of March, and here it is back into the market as a $6 chance. But, once again, if you're on it early, you're on it at 101. Uh, it's at 6 Fangirl and Hope in Your Heart, both $8. That's the uh, coin of the turf. I think that um, Dubai Honor will run favourite if we are running on a heavy 10 come Saturday. Okay. Uh Gentlemen, horses to follow for from the weekend. There's a landline. I haven't had a landline for ages. <laughs> yeah, but there'll be the rural fire service or the RSPCA. Uh, my, horses, my horses to follow, talk about the JB car. I know magic time might be all the rage, but she's a big improver, Sumatra, second up at 1,400. So I want to follow her at odds. And, um, yeah, he's one to follow, Duke, uh, Duke DeCessor, out of the, um, the Doncaster Mile. Okay. Gaila, your horses to follow? Uh, it's one from Bendigo called Running By, uh, High Emotion, and uh, yeah, I'm a Magic Time fan as well. Munns? Uh, Duke DeCessor, as I said, out of the Donnie with Hope in Your Heart, and uh, only because it's a Class 3 horse, and it'll go back to the bush wherever it does there. Bianco Valano, I thought, was very, very good in the Country Championship. Yeah, uh, we didn't touch on the Country Championship. We're going to have a chat with Brett Robb a little bit later on in our Monday's Experts uh, show at uh, 11 o'clock this morning. Gentlemen, enjoy the week. Obviously, we've got uh, a bit of an interesting couple of days coming up because on Friday we've got Good Friday. So Sky Sports Radio will just be, be simulcasting what's on Sky Racing 1, which means so you're our... You're hosting, Dave. You're hosting Sky Racing on um, Friday? Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be jumping on if they need me to. Anything to get out of sitting at home. Canberra? Uh, we've got uh, Thursday. That means the punters panel will be Thursday. And obviously, take note, that will mean that all our final fields and markets will probably be coming out quite quickly this week. So if you are looking at getting those early prices, uh, we'll obviously have the barrier draws tomorrow at 9.30, but everything just pushed a little bit forward. And then on the flip side, Monday next week, 
Uh, no uh, punters post-mortem. Uh, punters post-mortem next Tuesday, gentlemen, if you're all free. Uh, but a regular Saturday morning racing on the, the stage on exactly. Monday morning. Exactly right. Uh, have a great day, gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in.